Heartbreak. Wobble. Despair. Let down. Choke. These are words Atlanta sports fans are all too used to hear. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up, and it's going. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. From the Mesmerized Studio in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your host, Robert Taylor and the Commissioner, Mark Rich. And hello, Atlanta sports fans, and welcome back to this, the real 52nd episode of Believe in Atlanta Sports. I said last time I thought it was 52, but it wasn't. It was 51. This one. The second 52nd. The second 52nd, that's right, of Believe in Atlanta Sports. I'm your host, Robert Taylor, and I don't even like to call him co-host. We'll call him second host. The commissioner, Mark Rich, is in the house. The other guy. The other dude, the other broadcaster, the other voice, the other brain, whatever you want to say. And uh, I sent a text last night, or maybe today, and said, are we casting the pods today? And he said, yeah, I bet you're ready to take a shit all over the Phillies. I was right. And I kind of am, but I'm kind of not. And and the one point, there's a few points I want to make. First of all, I just want to say thank you to the Arizona Diamondbacks for uh, allowing us to live in yet another uh, year of, of life in a world where Bryce Harper does not own a World Series ring. And some of you are going to go, wait, he won one in Washington. No, he did not. They won it the year after he left. Coincidence? Me thinks not. I don't know. But anyway, long story short, the Phillies fall in seven games to the Diamondbacks. The stage is set. Rangers, Diamondbacks, uh, I think the Rangers have 90 wins and the D-backs have 84 wins. And I'm also wondering, when was the last time a uh, World Series took place west of the Mississippi? It's been a few years. Uh, But... Who really cares? I'm not going to look that up. I just wondered it out loud. When, when was the last time we had a, like an all-West World Series? I've got Rangers in six. What you got? Mm, man, I, uh, I've i got Rangers in five. I, honestly, I think the Rangers might sweep them, but I got them in five. Sorry I had to take a swig of my delicious, cool, refreshing Dr. Pepper. But, and that's not a, we don't get any money from them either. We so. would love to. Yeah, who would love to get money from Dr. Pepper? Anybody I works at Dr. I need Pepper. that that sponsorship more than you know. So I, I floundered today. Uh, I was talking to an old college friend because we're all trying to get the the gang back together for a game, and, it, and the wheels are falling off, and it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but she was asking me, you know, hey, who at George is her? You know, what about Bowers? And and she's a sports girl, but not like super, you know. And so I was kind of giving her the rundown and say, hey, maybe maybe we get up for the SEC championship game. And she asked me about the World Series, and I waffled. 
But I'll say this. I, I'm not one of those Atlanta fans that says, let's go out and get him. But holy cow, man, everything Bruce Bochy touches turns to fucking gold, man. He had an amazing run with the Giants. He comes over to Texas, gets them back to the World Series, probably going to be the captain of the ship that wins them their first one. It just, I just wanted to throw that out there. The guy's an amazing manager, one of the best in the game. I'm a little worried. And, and don't worry, we're going to get back to the Phillies. We're also going to talk some other stuff, including Michigan football, because it looks like old Jimmy Harbaugh and the boys have been up to no good. But let me not get my ADHD brain, uh, you know, derailed here. We're talking about Bruce Bochy, and I'm a little worried because Melvin left San Diego to go to San Francisco. And uh, old Papa Wash says he feels like he has what it takes to get that club over the hump. So that we, it, it, now we talk about it every year, but I would hate to lose him. But I also, you know, he's getting longer than get t- 70. But you so get it, too. I do. If he has, if, if, if he wants one last shot at a run, this is his shot. I know there's some uh, completely ridiculous Atlanta fans that want to fire Snit and put Wash in the, in the seat. Now, I did say if Snit didn't work out originally when, when they were all here, I said, hey, if Snit can't make it happen, if he can't put it together, we got sure, a guy. give it to Ron. But he has, and we're not going to argue about that because he has. So anyway, anyway, uh, one thing that, that you know, and, and again, last night, because I was watching the game through the ESPN app because I had to work, but then the game's over. So then my mind goes back to baseball again because we got a World Series and the Phillies lost. And you said one time a few weeks ago, remember when, when you said the restaurant business was a fickle bitch? Yep. Well, so is hitting. Because let, let, guess what? The Phillies fan base just got a dose of the same thing we went through. Cold cold-ass bats and I mean I'm talking from NLDS up to about game two a little bit of game three the Phillies were just hitting home runs right and left I mean just a a record-breaking like historical home run pace these guys were clubbing and then all of a sudden falls off right off the table so to me in my opinion it kind of lends to the time off thing because you know you, these guys are, are just firing on all cylinders. They're hot. They're they're a steam rolling through the playoffs, and then they just hit a brick wall and they can't hit. So you, I mean, you 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 roll that around in your brain. I just feel like maybe there's. I'm not saying it completely validates it, but I, I think there's a little validation there of how how a team can just wake up one morning and and go, what the fuck, we can't hit. Yeah. I'm, I'm fu- and it happens in all sports all the time. It's not it's not perfect all the time. Everybody has off days. Sometimes everybody has losing streaks, you know. It, it nothing's ever perfect. I mean, I I guess there's some undefeated seasons on the book, so some things were perfect, but like in baseball, it's not it's never going to be that way. It's too much. There's too much too many games. There's too much going on. It's never going to be perfect. You're going to slump at some point in one way or another. And, you know, unfortunately for the Phillies, like, it, it caught them in the division series. Yeah. And, or in the championship series. And, again, I, and I will I will uh, refine my statement and say, as it pertains to baseball, I, I don't know if there's a sport, maybe basketball. You can definitely have a hot hand over, a, a, you know, a four or five game stretch and then just ice cold. Sure. So, but I mean, hitting, I mean, it's just crazy. So if you think like you just saw it happen, you literally witnessed it happen within a series, Arizona wins four of the last five and and they just couldn't hit water if they fell out of boat. 
Could you so, attribute it to pitching though? Like it, oh, rather well, than rather than that, could it could it have been the pitching for the the D backs? Just it was exceptional. And, and, and that's why you're on this podcast with me because uh, I thought about that point, but you brought it up. So it's like we share a brain, we share a sports <laughs> brain because of course. I don't want to take anything away from the D-backs pitching because, hey, they hit their spots. They had command of their fastball. You know, their their breaking stuff was snapping. All those things, sure. But to just freeze out like that, and and the the Phillies aren't the first. They're not the first. They ain't going to be the last. It's just really weird. So that was kind of when I was equating to like, well, okay, uh, and I don't want to – I'm going to drag the horse out of the closet. I don't want to bore any of the listeners, but I talk about it all the time because I played – and I watch a lot of it, and I talk a lot of it. Baseball is all about rhythm and timing and a flow and just a groove. All the words you can, you know, cohesion, all the words you can say. And when you interrupt it, now the Phillies didn't get interrupted, but I, I just, I really am, I'm, I'm selling it hard that, you know, you, you see a team go cold like that overnight, and you look at teams like the Dodgers, the Orioles, and the Braves that had five, six days off, I, I think there's something there. I think there is. It's not the only contributing factor because, of course, Arizona, th- they look like maybe a team of destiny. I think they're going to, you know, meet a, a brick wall or, or a freight train, if you will, in the form of the Rangers. But I really do think there it's a delicate balance. And for the D-backs, I, I hope the Braves were watching because for the D-backs to go in there and just pop the tires on that whole – freight train of madness that is Philly sports fans and that whole rocking place. I mean, you could heard a pin drop last night in that place. Didn't sell it out either, which was alarming to me. I saw some posts on Facebook. They didn't sell out an elimination game in Philly. It was really, I was like, oh, wow. Now, maybe five seats. I don't know. I didn't look at sure. the number, but um, yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird, uh, and it just feels good because if we can't get there, at least somebody took those bastards out. Because now our, our our well, your good friend, I haven't met him yet, but he's going to come talk baseball with us. Uh, he was he was a little salty. He was spicy uh, that his team kind of kind of fell off, and uh, now you can kind of see how it happens. And he he said that's a little. I I, I basically, uh, if you didn't see it, I, I put a post. I said, uh, "Dear Philly, well, you know." And I said, dear Arizona, thank you for allowing us to live in a world where that bastard in Philly doesn't have a ring. And Michael goes, well, that's a little disrespectful. And I said, well, my hatred of the Phillies, trust me, this is not new. It goes back like 30 years. A long, long time. Yeah, of me hating these guys, these greaseballs. But ironically, one of my favorite players is Mike Schmidt of all time. That guy's arguably considered the best third baseman ever. Dude hit one out of Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. And when I say hit one out, I mean entirely out, like into the parking lot. So that's just one story from a long time ago. But it's simply because Philly fans have never shown us a lot of respect. Bryce Harper has never respected the Atlanta Braves, ever, not once. I don't know what we did to him. I don't know if it's some trauma from his childhood. Bryce Harper would never come play here. He does not like the town. He doesn't like the team. He doesn't like anything about us. He has drug his his spikes across our logo. He has spit on our logo. He has been nasty to fans. That's one reason why I have no respect for Philly. But this disrespect thing goes all the way back to those greaseballs, Dutch Dalton, 
John Cruck, Lenny Dykstra, Mitch, uh, what was his last name? Williams. Mitch Williams, wild thing. Because let me tell you something. I remember where I was sitting in Game 7 of the World Series when Joe Carter was at bat. I was sitting on the middle cushion of my parents' couch in their living room on Walton Road in Monroe, Georgia, watching that game. And when Joe Carter teed off and sent it over the left field fence, I went wild. I loved Philly losing then. I love Philly losing now. And, I'll, and, and I know I'm opening the door wide open to get made fun of, but here's the thing about Philly fans. I don't take sports too seriously anymore. I used to be that guy, if Georgia lost, I'm turning off the TV, I'm shutting my door, like, leave me the fuck alone. I got over that. And if you're a grown-up in today's society, you should be over it too. I'm just going to tell you now. Yes, I'm telling you how to live your life. It's just a bunch of dudes playing sports. We ain't got no skin in the game. Emotionally, we're involved. But outside of that, so I like to have fun with it. I, I do. And I'll, I'll I'll give some good ribbing. I give as good as I get. I can take it, you know. But Philly fans, they take it too far. That's one of my big things is they really take it too far. And a lot of Philly fans, and you and I know one of the worst ones ever. Um, we're not going to say his name on this podcast because he's not deserving of, of the recognition, but he's a real douche. Anyway, they, they, they make it personal. And again, look, my mother never went down on anyone behind a TGI Friday's dumpster. I know this. To say to anything otherwise is, is ludicrous. So I don't get mad about the mom stuff or anything like that, but they really do like just dig it in and, and they're nasty I've been in that environment I got a nephew lives up there they they really go too far and I'm all about for you know being being passionate for your team and loving your team but to just say some of the things I've heard and had said to me a total complete stranger I'm just like what the fuck is your problem like it ain't and I've had to say it ain't it ain't it ain't even like that dude it's not like that you know, when it's not well, clearly, it's not all the fans, but the vast no, no, majority. No. Yeah, I mean, the vast majority is a have a bad reputation. And, and I will say this, Mr. Jindruski, I look forward to meeting you. And but you do seem like a a, a well versed, rational, level headed fan. Hey, don't don't. I'm not saying there's not some colossal pricks in the Braves fan base. There are. Trust me, there are. We sat in front of one. <laughs> what an ass bag this guy was. Um, I'm just saying I think it's more prevalent in the Philly sports world of, of, of how serious they take it and how far they take it. And you want to call me sensitive? Sure. You want to call me whatever? Sure, I don't care. I'm just telling you why I have this disrespect for Philly and their players and their teams. I've just I've never have. I've never had any respect for that ball club. Not once, not ever. Hate them more than the Mets. I'm just, yeah. I've and, never, never been a Philly fan in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, except so, for you. You know what? That Allen Iverson. Literally, that's it. Well, about Julius, you know, he he played in Philly. It was a little bit before my time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see him either. But yeah, so that's the reason why I have that disrespect and hatred of the Phillies. I, I just don't like them. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure. That, hey, I've been to City Brotherly Love. It's great. It's great. I met some wonderful people. City Market down there is awesome. It's a fine town. I was disappointed they moved the Rocky statue. I was looking forward to running up the steps, but it's off to the side now. Historical city. Great food, cool pubs. Got nothing bad to say about it. I can't wait to go stay with my nephew again and be like, let's hit Philly. Let's go out in Philly. Let's get a cheesesteak. Let's get some onion rings, all the good deli meats they got up, all the things. 
But when it comes to sports, fuck you guys and the horse you rode in on. All day long, twice on Sunday. I will never applaud any t- I don't even... I got Georgia friends that are watching the Eagles now. Fuck that. I ain't watching them. I ain't rooting for them. If Jordan Davis and that crew goes to the Super Bowl, I hope they lose so bad. I <laughs> hope they absolutely get destroyed by whoever they play. I am not in your corner. I hope you have a wonderful career. I hope you leave Philly and get a ring somewhere else. Sorry. That's just how it is. And you can feel the same for Atlanta. I don't care. But that that's I just wanted to explain myself a little bit. But and I, I will say this. There are Philly fans that I know that you can, they can, they will, you know, the NLDS, they'll, they'll, they'll shovel some shit your way and pick at you. You couldn't talk to them this morning. They didn't want to talk this morning. I'm like, oh, yeah, you had a lot of words when, when you were peeing the shit out of the Braves, but now you got a taste of that medicine where your team kind of, and let's just say it, Philly shit the bed. Even Bryce Harper said, I let my team down, I let the city down in game seven. Mr. Playoff, Mr. Big Time, his manager, oh, Rob, I think it's Rob Anderson is the guy's name. Oh, he always shows up in big moments. He's a big moment guy. Well, you had a big moment last night. What'd you do? And it happens. It happens. Brave players have done it. But that's all I'm saying. Now now it hurts. That sting that we felt and are still residual, they're feeling it hardcore now, but they don't want to talk about it. No. And they, they talk all that shit and they thump their chest, but then when they, they now they're at home in Philly eating cheesesteaks with their tail between their legs and they're hiding. Not all of them, but a lot of them. There's another reason I don't like Philly. If you don't, if you're going to shit talk my team, you better be prepared to handle some shit talking when your team does the exact same fucking thing. The reason the Braves are not in the playoffs right now, poor pitching, but they also just couldn't hit for shit. The reason the Phillies got sent packing last night is for the last four or five games, they couldn't hit for shit. So there you have it. I don't know. That's just, that's my final take. And that's baseball. I'm done with baseball. Yeah, and that's baseball. We're we're finished. Uh, I am gonna go ahead and do it now. I, I did some Twitter posts and some stuff like that. But bring bring Gray to the A. I want Sonny Gray here. I do. I, I've read enough. I've watched. I've watched some of his games uh, from this year on YouTube, and I've always liked him. I mean, even when he was in Oakland, I've always wanted Sonny Gray in Atlanta. He's durable. He doesn't give a lot of home runs. He's he's a pitcher. He knows how to pitch. Uh, he's not really – He's he can throw the ball, of course. 88 still fast. 91 is still fast, but he's not a power pitcher. And I want him. I hope Sonny Gray is in a Braves uniform next season. I hope he's down there in spring training. we got to get him. Yep. I like the guy. We can start talking to Aaron Nola now, too. He is a free agent. I even told you that Sonny Gray kind of reminded me of uh, Charlie just with less miles. He's a younger Charlie Morton, that kind of guy, that, that stopper. You know, a game two, game three guy. You know, he can he can go probably go a little further into games. He he has that pitcher's you know mentality, that brain of, you know, let my guys behind me do work, which is I think a lot of times, and I've seen you've heard me say this with about the Braves, but I think a lot of pitchers these days try to get too cute, and they want to fool hitters, and and throw some trickery out there instead of going, well I've got about seventy million behind me. Yeah, that trickery usually goes up you know, the left field wall exactly and I, you've heard me so many times go stop getting cute and just get a ground ball yep just induce a ground ball out greg maddox was fucking great at that actually glavin was too ground ball pitchers i mean good lord you got a great short stop you got oz you got austin you got matt ronald michael 
some dudes in left field. <laughs> the platoon no, yeah. in yeah. left field. So let them do work. Put them to work. Let, let them earn a paycheck. Let them let them climb a wall and grab a ball for you. You know, chase a fly, dive, whatever they need to do. And yeah, yeah sure. If you've got great stuff and you can get in a uh, hitter's head and fool them, awesome. But sometimes it's like, okay, put the ball in play. I'm gonna let you put the ball in play. We'll give you something to hit. Not you're not gonna give. You know what I mean, though. Right. And and just let them work. That's how. That's why they're there. They're defensive baseball. It's going to be a real interesting offseason. And and hopefully, we talked about this last episode, hopefully they learned a whole bunch of stuff. And obviously, you know, Alex Anthopoulos is always always watching, judging. Um, but no, he. you learn. You live and you learn. You see things. You see what happened this year. And I'm sure immediately he, he tried to figure out, you know, what can we do to be in a better position for this for next year. And now we'll see. We'll see what happens this offseason. I'm, I'm sure that... I'm sure some some stuff's going to get shaken up, though. I swear by God and Sonny Jesus, and, and maybe it's just not uh, Anthopolis' way, but something better go down at the winter meetings. Do you know how long it's been since the Braves came back from a winter meeting? It was like, oh, shit, look what we did. Hey, many years. It, it, they, I don't know for whatever reason, they, they have not made a splash in the winter meetings in quite some time. But I just hope the Braves watched this younger D-back team roll into Philly with no fear and take them out. I honestly think that fan base, something intimidated the Braves. They just didn't look like themselves. I hope now they see that, yeah, hey, you can go in Philly. You can go into that atmosphere, and you can win. I, I just think also the lack of production, I think they were, like, overly humbled. I think they got, you know, put in their place. And I said it before, they got they got fucking punked. Um, and, and it looked like they, they just weren't, I, I don't want to say not prepared, but, like, I don't think they thought it was going to be as difficult as it was. Um, and hopefully hopefully that changes next year. Hopefully that – and I, I don't actually think that that is the mindset of the players, but you, you ride so high for so long mm-hmm. that you forget a little bit, I guess. And not really that it's, like, complacency, but, again, that whole meaningful baseball thing, like, you went so long with it not being – air quotes, meaningful. Um, I'm, that slap in, slap in the mouth, punch in the gut, that didn't. Uh, that was a little difficult to get over. I'm even wondering, did they maybe look past the Phillies a little bit? I know as professionals you're not supposed to do that, but it happens. College teams do it in football. I mean, not just football, any sport. Like, it is possible to, to kind of look past. But Ronald, Ronald promised us things were going to be a little different next year, so. You best believe, and I know we said this already, but you best believe they're thinking about it. They're thinking about it, and they see Philly go out, you know, bow out early. They're thinking about it. They're they're not gonna, they're gonna think about it all winter. Trust me. All they're thinking about now is getting back to February and getting back to South Florida and redeeming themselves. Um, but yeah, I I I look forward to it. Left field and pitching. That's all in bullpen. That's uh, and I think we just need some tweaks to the bullpen. Definitely two arms. I think we definitely got to sign two arms. And I think we definitely have Cody Bellinger has been thrown out there in left field. Somebody said, what if we bring Jason Hayward back? And I was like, the guy that played three games and had seven at bats for the Dodgers? You want him? No. People say some really dumb shit. Yeah, absolutely. And and guess what? 
Jason Hayward is not even on Alex Anthopoulos' radar. Not even close. He ain't coming here, so give that up. I, I, I laughed out loud when I saw that, and I was like, why? Why would you do that? He's he, Ozuna's a better option than Jason Hayward. I'm just saying. Way better. You know, so he ain't coming, and, and I don't want him. And I'm not saying Jason Hayward's not a nice guy. I, he seems like a nice dude. I liked him when he was in Atlanta, you know, Jay Hay. Uh, the Jay Hay kid, but he, hey, guess what? For all of the hype and everything, he has not lived up to it. Not the Cubs gave him all that money, and he did fuck all. He did not perform well with the Cubs, and again, with the L.A. Dodgers this season, three games, seven at-bats. That was Jason Hayward's 2023 season, and you want to bring that to Atlanta. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Have you Have you seen how we spend money? We spend it smart. Yeah, so he ain't coming. So whatever uh, you know, daydreams you have of that, you can just brush that off to the side. So I don't know. Bellinger, uh, a lot of people seem to think he was a, kind of an anomaly that he kind of bounced back this year and he'll regress next year. I don't know. Uh, I think he'll care. I, I think for what he can do and what he can provide, the price tag is a little too hefty, I think, because he can command some money on the open market. I don't think that's – and I know uh, everybody – I think for him, if he would be willing to humble himself and maybe, you know, take less money, like a value, sure. But I don't think he's worth what he can he can command. So I don't know if he'll be here. So we'll see, man. We'll just really see. Uh, there's been a talk of some trade packages to get some guys out of Pittsburgh, some good pitching. So I'm ready. I'm I'm ready, ready, ready for baseball. But I'm also ready because uh, I think we're going to try to cut it short tonight since we got a late start. Because tonight we tip off with the Atlanta Hawks. Kaka, kaka, kaka. That wasn't very. That's, uh, that's <laughs> five W's if you're wondering. Yeah. Hashtag um, K A K A five W's. Now we did re-sign a Kung Wu uh, to a deal. I think I said four. Was it four for sixty-two? Is what mm-hmm. he got. And your reply was, but not Bay. Yep. My reply was, well, maybe they make him an offer in the open market, and you said competing with everyone else, and maybe at this point uh, the speculation is maybe he's going to be part of a trade package or something, uh, potentially. Who knows? Uh, I'm excited to see the Hawks uh, get into the swing of it. I'm excited to see what Trey does tonight. I'm going to come out for a little bit because it's a school night. I'm going to go up to Gustin's, maybe get some wings, but uh, i got to stay out of the beer or any other adult beverage, or it's just going to be downhill after that. <laughs> Good news is there's a free-flowing Dr. Pepper. Yes, all the Dr. Pepper you want. So, now, yeah. Charlotte tonight, it, uh, I don't know, should be interesting. Um, I Again, I'm coming into this season with just open eyes. I guess I don't really have any, any idea what's going to happen, but I'm very intrigued to see you know, what Quinn's done and how the team has responded to him. And I just, I, I love the, I, I just love the energy when you hear people talking about the off season so far and, and what they, they speak very highly and differently in reference to Quinn than they have of coaches, coaches past. Um, but, but the whole idea of Quinn coming to Atlanta because a, he wanted to coach Trey Young. That's that's huge to me. You you want to coach him. You see something there, and you want to do that rather than you know, coach Bud 
didn't want to be a part of any of that and he wanted to go coach a ready-made superstar and he went and got Giannis, you know, yeah. but so you got Quinn wanting to do that. You you've got talks of an already simplified offense. Um, you you've got talks of him telling Trey to, you know, go back to go back to what got you here and 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 stick with you know if you're open for three, shoot the three, uh, attack the basket. Yeah, everything comes from that. Our offense it comes from him attacking and him hitting those open shots. And he's a facilitator at heart. So like. That that whole mid range thing was just a, a sure add a club to your bag, uh, but don't don't focus on it so much that it affects everything else negatively. Um, but the simplification simplification of the offense uh, apparently, and I know it's preseason and I don't want to put too much into it, but the the simple simplification of the offense has led to a much better defensive team. Um, you know two games with one game nine one game tennis uh steals before halftime it's i'm not used to that that's that's amazing we play we play good solid defense with what i we all know our offense can do and is capable of then i you're, i think you're looking at a very different hawks team and i i really think that the uh the change of coach is going to be a, a huge impact for us this year. And how many times have you heard a coach say, "Hey guys, we got to get back to basics. You know, we got to strip things down. Let's just so you know maybe maybe they're just like, hey, let's simplify this. Let's uh, you know let's all hold hands and uh, you know hug necks and, and and get a little relationship going. Let's get a little chemistry, a little dance, and and we'll build off of that. And and maybe once we're we got a little flow going. We throw a little monkey wrench into the game plan, or a little, you know, a little wrinkle here, a little wrinkle there. Who knows? It's going to be fun to watch. And everybody wants to dump on the Hawks, but they don't seem to realize. Now, the Hawks have wallowed in in mediocrity for a very long time. But if you're just looking at it, in my opinion, from a, a fan approach, the Hawks went on a streak where, and, and it's one of the longest ones in sports, where they made the playoffs like 12 years in a row. Like that's that's the goal. I think every season is to get in. The, now, granted, getting into the playoffs in basketball is kind of like getting a bowl game in college football. Like, oh, we're the we're the 18 seed. <laughs> There's been NBA teams getting the playoffs. Damn near had losing records, and I think there were a couple that snuck in that had losing records. Yeah, the, not bad, but like one or two under. Sure, and, and the playoff picture is 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 bigger because of the amount of teams, I guess, but. Um, you just, ah, man, I don't, I don't know the, the Hawks have just been in this kind of like, you know, middle of the road rut. And, you know, you see, you see the time when, um, we make a run, but you run into the buzzsaw of, you know, you have LeBron James in the East, you know, in, and when you have. It's just weird situations now. It's the way these teams are built. Like, you're almost at a, like the best you can do is not going to be good enough. And you already know that early on. You, you already feel like there's not a lot of Cinderella teams in the NBA, right? And so the Hawks, you look at the Hawks and then you look at the teams that are built like, you know, the Suns, the, the, that are built like the Warriors, that are built like, I don't even want to say the Lakers, but, um, you, teams like that, teams that stockpile players, and you just assume that it's going to be one of these big name teams, um, loaded with two or three like 
legitimate superstars that are going your Boston's and in your um, Milwaukee's and, and whatnot. And now Milwaukee's even better. But you you also saw that young Hawks team make a run. You saw that young Hawks team knock out the Sixers. You it's possible for something like that to happen. Um, it just doesn't feel like it's it's that common anymore. So um, the Hawks, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, again, intrigued to see if they put it all together. I really do think that all all the moves, um, the the signings and the non-signings and, and everything that they've done, I, I really feel like there's a big move to be made. Uh, I think that's, that's in the works. Um, I would not be surprised at all if Carl Anthony Towns was a target. Um, I, I don't know what the price tag is. I saw that the Knicks make some sort of like obnoxious offer to obtain Joel Embiid. That, that guy's been on my, my Christmas wish list for a very long time. Cause I just think he and Trey would be an awesome pair. I think it would, it would cost us a hell of a lot to get him. So who knows if that would be worth it or not, but you know, there's big names, there's big names being talked about right now. And I, I have to assume that in some way, shape, or form, the Hawks are have their toe in those waters. Yeah, I, I think you can maybe classify Trey as one at this point, maybe. But superstar, yeah, Trey, yes, but that's like one. Dejounte's your e. Yeah, and and we've had Dominique, but and but nothing ever really over the years. Like I would love for a big time marquee. I'd love to get one in the door. Sure, somehow, and it just seems like. For whatever reason, we've made jokes about why people don't want to come play in Atlanta, but I just wonder, like, you know, what is it going to take? Like, how? And and this is a question I don't know. I need to do more homework. How much money do the Hawks have? Do they have deep pockets? You know, what is how's Tony Wrestler handled that organization, being the owner, and and you know Landry Fields and all those guys? Like, how much money could the Hawks dole out? Well, like deep pockets or not, it's it's not. It's like the you know. Uh, actions speak louder than words things do do you have a lot of money shit yeah are you gonna spend it yeah it probably not it doesn't doesn't seem like you really want to yeah. but but also i mean i i understand the point of uh do i want to go grab a couple guys and get into luxury tax and pay all this extra money and like i just said knowing that you got this team and this team and this team and this team all stacked to go win it do i want to spend that money now and try to go get it or do I want to wait and then push my chips in when I have a much better chance of winning, in my opinion? So I, as an optimist, I have to think that way. Otherwise, I'd just be like, fuck you, Tony, the whole time because you're not putting us in the best place to win. And I don't want to be that kind of fan. I choose not to be that kind of fan. But I I honestly don't think, I don't think it's a lack of wanting to spend I think it's a lack of wanting to spend frivolously, if that makes yeah. sense. Uh, well, at this point, I I, I just kind of wish Trey Young and maybe Dejounte Murray would get in the collusion game like everyone else does, and just look, just bring everybody here like every like Golden State, like the fucking Heat. LeBron goes back to Cleveland and gets the people he wants. Like I wish they would just start making phone calls and go, hey, let's come to Atlanta and win a title because it seems like. That's about one of the only, you know, recourse you have these days is to, and I wish the NBA somehow could spin it to stop it and say, hey, this is collusion, guys. 
you're colluding to put a super team together to make a run to win titles. Like that, you're, you're 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 interfering with the natural order of things. But that'll never happen. Yeah, Pandora's already out of the box. That's what I that's what I dream about when I go to sleep at night. And the NBA would step in and go, "All right, enough, enough." That there's a no real way to do it. It in my yeah, opinion, like, I don't I don't you can't stop what's already started. And now that everybody knows. <laughs> that it's a, a viable option, it's always on the table. I think what it is for uh, for most teams that end up with, you know, you look at a lot of them too, and, like, it, it's teams that ended up, they were shitty for a long time, and they have all these, like, stockpiled assets so they can make a move to go get a superstar. You know, the, all that talk about uh, Pascal Siakam not wanting to come to Atlanta and we shouldn't trade for him because we're not going to get any return from him. Not that he was going to just like be a dick and not play this year, but that like he's not going to resign with us. So why waste all our our draft capital to go get him? Um, but you you feel like these guys who are actual free agents who choose to opt out of their contract and test the free agent market, they they're looking at teams where they think that their their addition will be what puts them over the edge. So I feel like. You know, hoping, hoping that this season um, goes the way I want it to. That that we become a place where people see, like, I could be the guy. That's that's what they need to get them over the top, and and that's where I think we'll open the door to free agency for us. And and you know, honestly, if if we do have a trade working, even if it's not Carl Anthony Towns, but if we do have something where you want to move a couple of pieces. And get something else because I, I I know they do, and I know we have young talent that uh, people around the league are interested in. So I, it's it's possibly there for us. Um, but if we were able to do something like that and and make a push into the playoffs to where people around the league could see that oh shit they're uh they're just one dude away from uh from doing this thing, then I think I think people will pay more attention. I mean I I would love for for Atlanta to do it the old way. By signing players, developing players, making smart trades, you know, you know, well coached, all those things. I mean, it's not impossible; it can be done. But I, I'm going to ask a. I don't think it's a dumb question, uh, just because. Again, I'm starting to watch a little more basketball, but everybody knows that I got turned off by the softness of the game, the ridiculous penalties, the traveling, the, the walking, floppy. the flopping, the flop. James LaBitch, all that stuff, the politics, all that crap that was in football too, and bait. It was all sports, but just because of the, of the game I grew up watching was grown men playing a rough sport. You know, Kurt Rambis would fuck you up under the under the rim. You know, Bill Lambeer, Rodman, all those guys. I mean, that's what I grew up watching. You know, the, the Lakers in the late '80s, them dudes would beat the shit out of you, man. And the Pistons too. Those those Pistons Lakers finals. Ooh, well, there's some haymakers getting thrown around, some elbows, all this stuff. But so this is this is the question I have because I'm not following as closely. What kind of dividends and how much are they really putting into like the D League and the G League? Like, are there player? Are they really down there developing players to bring them up, or is it really just we have so much fucking money we can afford to pay some guys a pretty decent salary to play basketball if they want to, and maybe in a pinch we can bring them up. I just I so I I don't know the actual answer to that question. Um, I obviously that is the it used to be the D League for a reason because it's the developmental league and now you know Gatorade 
sponsors, so it's the G League now, but still a developmental league. But I feel like the overall age has a factor to do with it because you look at all these teams and you're drafting, uh, you know, 19 kids. Yeah, 19 to children. 19 to 21 year olds, where you in, in back in the day, what you're talking about, you're talking about 22 year old, 21, 22 year old grown men coming out of college, going into the NBA. And even then, like the rookies, not all the rookies, you know, played, but they were, they were still ahead of the game. Now you're developing, you're transitioning kids into young, to young adults <laughs> while in the NBA. So it's, I'm sure the challenge is exceptional. Um, but again, the building a team the old-fashioned way is such a hard thing to do, in my opinion, because unless you, unless you're really, really bad for you know three consecutive, four consecutive years, and you get that top three pick four consecutive years, and you have those guys mostly on rookie contracts to where you're going to have to sign one and then maybe two, but then hit that sweet spot where you got two guys on rookie deals, like the money, the money becomes the problem because you you can pay and you can you know get in a luxury tax, but you're not you're not seeing teams get built from the inside out anymore because eventually they just can't afford to sign all of them, and you know that's I, I don't know I I think that's what caused such a disparity because the teams that are willing to spend all that extra money end up with all the players and then you have you know these other teams constantly recycling and, and trying to trying to build from within and it's just it's a tough battle i don't i don't i think the hawks are somewhere in the middle of those two things right now and i truly think it's because that they want you know they thought they had something right they thought they had something on that that eastern conference finals run and not to say that they didn't have something um but they didn't do anything extra in the offseason then cuz they thought they were going to take what they had and do the exact same thing. Didn't work out that way, right? So you learn from that. And so you go out and you get a guy, um, and, and now you your season didn't go the way that you wanted it to. But you're building towards something again. You learn. Hopefully you just keep learning, and all the, the naysayers and all the bullshit and nonsense about wrestler and his son and all that stuff, like I... I People are gonna talk shit, and you know sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. But like, it's there's probably more to every story than than you hear. So we'll just have to see. We'll have to see what they do on the court because if Quinn Snyder is, you know, one correct answer for us, then then good. We have that checked, that box checked, and then we're gonna play this season. And then if it doesn't go the way we want it to, we'll check the next box hopefully, and then we'll keep moving on because. You know, as far as you can tell, I, as far as I could tell, I didn't think we were going to keep Trey past this contract, you know, going into this season. I was just like, man, like I, you know, you go to some games and you see the the lack of fans in the seats and, you, you know, Trey's a superstar in the league, but he's also like the, I guess the, I, I don't want to call him a dark horse, but like, I don't know if people don't like him or what the deal is, but I don't even care, but coddling's not the right word but we something's got to happen to to make him feel like we want him to be here and i i think quinn snyder is the answer to a lot of those questions that we had so we'll damn we'll see uh like like i said i hope he comes out on fire 
and just it, everything goes back to to what it was when he was he shoot taking his open shots and you know driving and facilitating. It'll definitely be interesting to follow the soap opera that has been the Hawks organization for a while because everyone knows there was a lot of smoke around about you know wrestler's kid playing uh, daddy let me play GM and then there was the talk of uh, you know maybe Snyder was let here under some false pretenses and he wasn't at none of this stuff was confirmed it was just a lot of chatter from you know sports reporters and and, and whatnot but it'll be interesting to see and you know <clears throat> I, I'm going to get back into basketball a little more probably not as much as I was when I was younger but I would just like to see the Hawks kind of kicking into high gear and and I guess I guess what I can say is I'm not so sure Tony Wrestler's the right owner for this franchise any longer. That's all I can say, and I could give you a bunch of reasons why. I, I don't know why. I just don't feel the energy, the buzz around Hawks basketball that I did. And and I won't say that they didn't have something good. They didn't have talented players, but what they had was that year they made that great run. What they had was a coach that kind of wanted to be here, if nobody else will, I'll do it. So I think it was a, 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 a combination of some talent, but also some blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and again. Sure. Things just lined up. So, But it does feel like somebody let the air out of the balloon, too, a little bit. As, yeah. As, because, we, because of that upswing, everything was so, you know, happy-go-lucky. And then you come into the next season, and and, and like you said, my, my favorite coach of all time, Nate McMillan, uh, arms crossed on the sideline with a scowl on his face every game. Um, he, he, he wasn't sure if he wanted to be here and we talked him into being here. So, you know, like, I don't know, it just, it, it started to have a different feel. So I don't know if switching owners is the right move. I don't, I I don't know if you can't even just ask him like, Hey dude, don't really like what you're doing right now. You mind selling the team, please? Yeah, no, he ain't going anywhere. I just, you know how it goes. Yeah. They kind of pull the strings. Well, I mean, some owners are very hands-off. They're just like, I pay you. You're my general manager. Fucking go win. Well, I'll give you the money, but go do I – don't, I don't play basketball. I, don't, I, I just want to sit in the booth and say I own a team. You know, some of those guys. I don't know how hands-on wrestler is because, again, there's so much hearsay and drama and soap opera crap. Well, and the whole Travis Slink thing, too. Like, that, that put a – that's like red flags flying everywhere. Like, what the, what the fuck is actually happening? Yeah. So, but again, um, I, I guess I sound a little on the fence about everything right now because I don't know what to think about this season. Like I told you, I, I was very iffy coming into it, watched a couple preseason games, completely reinvigorated, ready to go, uh, with high hopes and, and, but we just have to wait and see. We got to see what they do on the court. Yeah. What do we got about 86 games to figure that out? I think that's an NBA season. Is it not 86 games somewhere in that ballpark? I'm not sure. But yeah, it's you know, and hey, man, I'll tell you what, um, I I do watch some Hawks on TV, but if you've never been to a Hawks game or it's been a while, get down there, man, because despite us being what we are, which is a middle of the pack team, you know, mediocre, we'll make the playoffs. I mean, we might get past the first round, but you know, probably not going to a lot of finals or anything. But there's a lot of energy in the building at Hawks games. There really is, and and the and the the entertainment they put on the floor for commercials and. There's poodles and jugglers and, you know, shirt cannons and mascots and trampolines and dunks, and it's just fun. Atlanta's uh, a fun place. Yeah, the DJ they have, I can't remember his name. What's the DJ's name? Big Tigger. Yeah, he's good, man. It's a lively it's a lively event. Uh, 
My girlfriend is not a huge sports fan, but she loves some Hawks. She loves going to the games. So, anyway, get you a ticket and get down there, man. It'll be interesting to see what they do. And hey, we're you know we're that uh, we're the sixth man. So I'll be there Friday and, and next Wednesday. We're gonna have to figure out something for next week. Yeah, yeah, you know, hey, everybody's got a bye week. We we don't like to take bye weeks because what happens is the wheels fucking fall off and <laughs> we don't do one for four weeks. We or... really just say bye. What's that? Uh, uh, who was it on Kings of Comedy? Oh man, I when could... we when we break, we break. Yeah. So uh, you know, uh, maybe maybe we I don't know maybe we'll uh, uh, figure something out or maybe we do take a bye week. Speaking of bye weeks, though, I'm gonna, uh, you know, uh, we got we got a big one. We Georgia just came off a bye. It's Wednesday, and it's time tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, people in Athens and all over the southeast will be packing their bags, booking their flights, doing whatever, and headed to Jacksonville for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I would almost say the drunkest football game, and those nor- there's some Northerners out there that might have something to say about it, but one of the drunkest, rowdiest, craziest college football rivals in the land. The border war, whatever you want to call it, Georgia, Florida, this Saturday, CBS, 3.30, except for that one year, which was completely fucking nuts when they had it at nighttime, and it was so nuts, oh. they said, we'll never, I was down there for that one. They're like, <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and just guarantee you the 3.30 CBS slot every year so you can't do this shit again. Yeah, they gave everybody an extra three or four hours of drinking, and it was nasty. Nasty, nasty, nasty. Uh, we were the favor, uh, favorite in that game, and Florida housed us, took us behind the woodshed uh, like they so often did back in those days when Spurrier was there. But uh, I'm telling you, if you've never been to Georgia, Florida, I've been to nine. I'm never going to another one, ever. You cannot convince me to go down there. I'm done. I've seen it. I've been there. I've come home with a victory. More times than not, though, in that era, I came home with a, a, a light wallet and an awful hangover. Uh, so, hey, good luck to you if you go down there. And if you've never been to one, go go see one. It's pretty it, it's pretty interesting uh, environment down there. We got we got some friends that are going down. The landing, though, the landing used to be it. The yeah. landing used to be awesome. And it was all, it's always a, a Halloween weekend, so a bunch of people dressing up. Like, there's a lot of a, a lot of fun that that went into it but man yeah it's it's not the same like everything's not the same like if st patrick's day in savannah is not the same as it once was and and i yeah. feel like the same goes for uh definitely the the georgia florida game well the, when i finally stopped i just i kept seeing so much violence so much hatred i had a good friend of mine standing next to me in the landing after a georgia loss you know we're we're drinking our uh blues away and he's just talking to me not we're we're not we're not being belligerent. We're just two dudes in a sea of people just like, God damn, man, I wish fucking Georgia what the fuck, Georgia? And out of nowhere, blindsided, beer bottle, cracked over his temple. For what? I I saw two guys push a girl down and kick her and spit on her and call her a whore. And these are two Florida fans. I'm not saying Georgia fans don't do it either, but violence, I mean just absolute outright violence and i said i don't i'm not a part of this i will not condone this i will not spend my money to come down here and watch this because it's a fucking football and i get it georgia florida there's a lot of hate there there's a lot of 
animosity and whatever. But I'm just to that point now to where, like, I'm not driving five hours to watch this crap. You're also just not putting yourself in that situation anymore. Like, some yeah. people, some people, that's appealing. Like, that. Yeah, they. I mean, they, they love to wild out, boy. I, you know. I mean, that was extremely appealing to me back in the day. It's just, I don't, I, I don't want to do that. I have a $2,700 lazy boy at home that is just awesome to watch football games in. Now, actually, I'm probably going to go to my friend Reeves' house over uh, near the stadium, uh, the Brave Stadium, and watch. Uh, he's got a nice little setup over there. He has a, a football command center. Uh, I don't know what do you call it, but like off to the living room, there's like another smaller room. It's not a, I guess maybe like a sunroom, multiple TVs. But the way he has them set up and angled, he has the big screen in the living room. So you can watch like three or four games at once. It's great. Uh, so we're probably going to do that. But uh, I, I got Georgia winning. I haven't seen the line on it. Uh, I know everybody seems to think that Florida. Three touchdowns. Really? Georgia's minus 21. Well, they ain't covering. I, I think it, well, I, you can't bet on Georgia to cover, man. Yeah, that's, we just, that's silly. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't expect this to be one of the games that, People are worried about us losing without Brock Bowers since that's such a big deal. To yeah, to some people it is. It's not a thing though. We have Oscar Delp, and we we already rattled off all the weapons we yeah, have. It, it's yeah. a it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal to not have that guy, but it does not mean we're going to lose. Yeah, no, he's uh, because again, like we said in, in a lot of those early games, he blocked a lot. He he wasn't a part of the offensive. I mean, he was because he was doing his job, but the ball was not getting in his hands. Right, and and I and you and I both agreed that he finally, and not that he wasn't trying or anything like that. I, I, I when I say he finally showed up, but it was like, oh, there's Brock. Oh, somebody in George's program finally decided to to say, hey, how about we let our best player win this game? How about we get him involved and let our best player make plays? Or somebody was just like, hey, uh. Hey, man, we could really use you right now. You good? You ready? You, yeah. Like, yeah, let's do it. So, again, well, one man does not a team make, but he's definitely a, a game-breaker. We saw that in Auburn. He, of course he's a game-breaker. He will be back. He, I, I think he's back for the SEC title game. I think he might be able to play uh, against Tech. Uh, I know Mims may be back this week. He had the same tightrope surgery. It's been several weeks now. Roger Robinson should be back. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how Kendall's doing. If Kendall is uh, in any kind of shape like he was in that Vandy game, boy, look out with him and Dejon back there. Um, I hope if if Brock's back for the Tech game, I'm, I don't know that he plays a whole lot. Yeah. I think they might knock some knock some rust off and get him some run snaps. him out there and just get him loose. But, yeah, I, I mean, that would be great, though. Best-case scenario, you're back in time for the end of the season rolling into hopefully the SEC championship game and uh, the playoff. Yeah, and, and the only thing, I'll, I'll, I don't know if you call this devil's advocate or whatever, but the only thing I'll say is this is Carson's first time going down to Jacksonville as the starter in arguably the biggest, it is the biggest game. You know where he's from? Yeah, he's from Florida. He's from down that way. So, uh, you know, playing in front of the home crowd. Um, so, yeah, you, you just, you know, these are all the little things you try to, tell yourself leading up to the game so if you don't get the outcome you think is going to happen you can point to it I, I guess I'm I'm making excuses already um I wouldn't call them excuses because it's a real thing you know hey man you're starting your first Georgia Florida game there's a lot of you know you got to go you got to go down there and deliver us a victory now he's a gamer 
You know, he's poised. Um, his home crowd. Yeah, yeah. Big time. He's from Jacksonville. So I'm sure he'd love to go down there and, uh, you know, make a statement. But, again, you just it's just things you think about, you know, and, and, and you think about how, you know, Florida pulled one off against Tennessee and uh, they were unranked in Tennessee, I think, was in the top ten, something like that. And, and you can't sleep on Florida. I think if Georgia – and, again, we've all said this before. Here's how you win a football game. You execute your game plan. You don't commit penalties. Make the other team one-dimensional. Now, there's a lot more, you know, that's the kind of the simple formula. But if you execute your game plan, don't turn the ball over, you know, make the other team one-dimensional, you walk out with a victory. I think we're a better football team. I think we're more disciplined. I think I think we have a better coaching staff. There is no reason we should lose that game. But that Georgia-Florida, boy, it's, it's, a, it's a different animal. It's weird. Yep. Because there have the been thing. Florida teams that should not have beaten us and whipped us. There have been Georgia teams that probably shouldn't have walked out of there with a win, and they did it. So all bets are off at Georgia-Florida. I will say, though, after watching that Tennessee game, not so worried about Nayland Stadium so much anymore. I am not. I don't feel threatened by that game. It's the same thing. We've, we've got this, I, I don't want to say false sense of security, but we have a different sense of security than we once had. So, like, going, to, going for the Florida-Georgia game, not to say – we're we're overly cocky and we don't we're looking past Florida we should not because any given Saturday right but you know you look at these games as you know if we do what we can do we should not be worried whether it's in their house or our house and uh, luckily that's where we are right now two national championships will do that for you your confidence is a little bit different but I'm also looking at it you know realistically and you know Tennessee is going to be a tough challenge but a challenge I think we can meet Florida is going to be uh, in my opinion less tough even though they beat Tennessee it's the way the teams are set up I think uh, it'll be easier to beat Florida than it will be to beat Tennessee but I I don't really truly fear playing either one of them yeah I think if we bounce out of Florida with a victory and we stay healthy and nobody gets any serious injuries I think we I don't want to say coast or cruise, but I, I think our, our journey, our path to Atlanta for the SEC title game is, is pretty smooth. Well, they also talk about Missouri, too, because— Hey, man, you got to. I, I mean, you got the best—statistically, uh, the best wide receiver in the country and, you know, a hardcore passing game. Like, But, again, like, Missouri played us tough—continues to play us tough. You know, we've lost a, we've lost a couple times to Missouri and watched them backdoor mm-hmm. their way into the— the SEC championship game, but I don't... Not this year. Yeah, I, again, like, yes, you're telling me things that I also know about Missouri and things that we should be very, very, you know, knowledgeable about and, and pay close attention to, but, like, again, I'm not... If you're trying to scare me, it's not going to work, but, <laughs> like, I I have the utmost faith that the things that you're saying that they can do really well that could probably lead to them beating us is something that our coaching staff is just focused on. So, like, I'm I'm just... Well, that was a nice teaser into uh, the coaching staffs and focusing on what the other team's doing. What do you mean? Oh, we're getting there. What we're getting there about? soon. We're getting there soon. We're close. Uh, the one advantage I think Georgia has over Missouri this year is we're not in Missouri playing on that slippery-ass turf of theirs. Because um, that is a factor. When you go to Missouri, every player... 
I've ever heard outside of Georgia. It's just slippery, slicker now shit down there, or up there, I should say. But speaking of coaches knowing what other teams are doing and focusing on that, it sure seems like some shit is about to go down and this playoff picture is going to get pretty dicey because Michigan sure seems like uh, they have done fucked up real bad because they have a low-level staffer. If you get a chance, go find his LinkedIn profile because it's pretty funny (laughs) about how he uses military intelligence to infiltrate the enemy and this and that. Now, they're saying he didn't go to all Big Ten games and some of them were, but I don't care. I don't care. Here's the thing. If you are an opposing coach or offensive line coach, whatever the fuck, I don't care if you're the water boy. If you're watching my team play and you somehow have a beautiful mind and decipher our code, hats off to you. If you somehow, because everybody knows this, this is not some big secret, every team films their games. It's called game film. So when you can go back to the locker room or the facility later in the week and go, Mark, see, see that right there? You should have picked up the tight end on that, but you didn't. You peeled off and went with him. You missed your... You missed your man. Okay. Now, if by watching game film, somebody in the room goes, hey, coach, hats off to you. No one's going to care. No one's going to get mad. But this guy 11 times went to a football game or sent someone on his behalf. He paid for him with his credit card to 11 different games and brought electronic recording devices. You can't do that. Everyone knows this. Everyone, everyone, everyone knows. I cannot say, Mark, I want you to run down the street and film that high school's whole game. You can't do it. It's a no-no. Period. End of story. The question lies, and because now somebody at Michigan has pointed the finger and said, well, Ohio State did it too. They did it too. So somebody snitched, and it it sure looks like it's going to get wild. Now, does Michigan get bounced from the playoffs this season? Do they they throw those penalties down this season? Because this all just came out Monday. It was his finger pointing uh, before Monday, but now it really looks like this uh, former Marine Corps guy has just given uh, the NCAA a, a golden ticket to smack Michigan right in the mouth. I don't. I also saw an article earlier today um, that said that he, there's a credit card receipt for him in 2022. I think going into Michigan's bye week, he purchased tickets to the uh, the Tennessee Kentucky game. And uh, a Tennessee buddy of mine sent it to me, and he also said maybe he should have went to the TCU game, which yeah. I thought was hilarious. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, but just think about that. Think about how extensive the plan is if you're looking at a, a at an on fire Tennessee team, yep. and you're already planning to be in the playoff, and you're you're going down to to scout Tennessee seven games into the season. That's fucking. That's that's a lot. And listen, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that there aren't. A lot of teams in the NCAA that are looking for an edge in whatever way they can find it. Uh, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That is a tried and true statement. And I, I'm I'm just gonna venture to guess all sports, yeah, uh, on almost every level. You are you're always looking for an edge, but you guys did it real dumb, yeah, real dumb, and you you got caught. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, though. It will, and I'm just wondering did Harbaugh crack under the pressure? Because he had, in his early days at Michigan, his first several seasons, 
four, four to five seasons, he didn't deliver. They were getting beat by Ohio State. They missed the playoffs. They weren't winning Big Ten championships. So did he crumble under the pressure? Because he was on the hot seat. I mean, his seat was turned up hot. They gave him more money before he even got off the hot seat, though, didn't they? I think so, but I just wonder, like, he's like, I've got to produce. And and maybe because he was on the hot seat and they gave him that money, he goes, well, now, fuck, I really got to produce something now. Because he'd already been in trouble about COVID stuff, contacting recruits during COVID. And, and now the question is, how much did he know? But even if he didn't know, he's still going to be held accountable because that's his program. So, again, and, and I'm not sitting here, somebody right now, maybe, well, not right now because we're recording this, but when this goes live, someone may listen and go, well, Georgia – I'm not saying they don't. <laughs> I'm not saying Georgia doesn't. But they might got a burner credit card. Yeah, for all I know, uh, there's a there's been a guy all around the the South. I, I don't know, but here's the thing: don't if you're gonna do it, don't get caught. And it sure does look like that Michigan has been caught red-handed cheating. Because who's to say I can't send you? Fuck, I don't know. Good Tennessee. Mark, you're going to go to Tennessee this weekend. Watch them play. Sit in the stands. Tell me what you see. As long as you don't pull a fucking camera out or any sort of electronic recording device. That's what ESPN called it. Electronic recording devices. I don't know if that means phones or what. But as long as you just sit and watch and observe. There's nothing that says you can't sit at every baseball, football, basketball game with a pen and paper and just 27... He has this. He looked really good here. Watch out for this. That's all legal. You're scouting. But the minute you use a recording device to analyze that and and try to break down codes and, and try to break play calls, you have now wandered into that territory of no, that's cheating. You are you are in violation. Well, and I'm I'm guessing like game film doesn't have like a camera you can watch that's just on the sideline, right? When when you get game film from other teams' games, you're getting the actual game. Yeah, you're not you're not getting play plus what's happening on the sidelines, so you can match up plays and mm-hmm. and signals. And I I sure I can't imagine anybody would give that kind of information away freely. So, you know, it it's such a weird situation. What such a very weird situation, and it. I wonder how long they've been looking into this. You know, it, 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 yeah, it always question. it intrigues me just because, like, they were talking about like this one, the one that they found with the you know, Kentucky Tennessee was uh, what November October twenty twenty two. So like, mm-hmm. if he's if he's doing it, then was he doing it the year before? Like, how far yeah. back does it go? The official word is eleven games over three seasons. Okay, so. Now, I'm going to make a slight comparison. I'm not really saying it's the same, but I don't think people truly understand how much pressure and how much stress is on these coaches to produce. I don't think people understand how – I mean, Harbaugh went to Michigan. You know, Kirby Smart went to Georgia. And the comparison I'm going to make is a lot of people pointed fingers at him and said, oh, you're wrong, oh, you did bad. But I don't think people realize how close – these coaches get to this program how much time they spend in those facilities they sleep there sometimes sometimes for days on end a lot of the hardcore coaches Gruden would tell you all the time he slept more in, in his office down at the stadium facilities than he did at his own home they get to this point to where they feel like they have to protect the program at any cost and I'm talking about Joe Paterno 
and all that crazy Jerry Sandusky stuff. But can you imagine waking up every day for over 60 years and going to a place every day and spending 10, 12, 15, 17, 18 hours there every day? It becomes a part of your soul. Right. It becomes a part of your being. So sometimes you make poor choices. You make poor decisions because you love it so much. Are you, you saying Harbaugh has a soul? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm just putting pieces together here. So, you know, um, it, it, can, it really can force you to make poor choices. And, and of course, in, in, in some of the things Paterno knew, he, he made a poor choice. But, but he, he felt like what he was doing was protecting his program and protecting the school. And, and now it is different in that it's a, we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, assault and molestation. But you can kind of see, like, Harbaugh's over here going, this is my school. This is my program. They're paying me a lot of money. I love this place. I've got to do something. I've, I've got to figure this out somehow. And, and maybe that desperation sinks in and you're like. I bet she's in the NFL next year. Yeah. So I would think if it does come down and, and, and penalties are, you know, handed out and things get done, he's out. He'll leave. Uh, or, or I don't know, could the NCAA make him leave somehow? Could they be like, Michigan, here's the deal. A plea deal, basically. They could say to the AD, hey, we'll do this, but that man right there, out. Outski, buy him out. Sir, I'm- now, he could be fired with cause so they wouldn't have to pay him. Uh, if they, if they, I'll say this, if they can prove that he knew. It's like it, conduct detrimental to the yeah. university. Yeah, some, so they they could probably do it with cause, but. Again, I know it's 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 kind of two ends of the spectrum, but I mean that's what happens with these coaches. They're very, first of all, they're all very passionate, fiery people. They're I mean the most ridiculous competitors you could ever imagine. So, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's right. I, I'm just saying I, I could kind of relate when you get into that situation of we've got to win, I've got to produce, I've got to do something. Nothing's working. What can I do? And and, and and you get into some murky, dark water sometimes. I think we could all do that in life uh, sometimes in certain situations because we're human and we make mistakes. But I sure hope they smack the crap out of him because I'm tired of listening to Michigan fans chirp. And they haven't done – they haven't – Michigan hasn't done anything. Like, I don't know why these Michigan fans are just walking around with their chest out so much because all you've done is lose to a – Subpar TCU team, a team you should have beat. You got rocked by Georgia. You haven't done anything. You haven't played for a national title. You just now figured out how to beat Ohio State two or three years now. You just you just won some Big Ten titles. So where this comes from, I don't know. But hey, whatever, enjoy yourselves, because we gotta we gotta we gotta talk about our friends in Atlanta our other friends in Atlanta that play football, the birds a little bit, and then we got to get out of here because the Hawks are going to tip off soon. we got to get down the road to Gustin's Grill and Tap to hang out for a bit. So, Falcons. Here's all I can tell you about the Falcons. They are on the top of the trash heap that is the NFC South. So Damn right. You know, we're in first place. we got the Titans, who are 2-4, and four, uh, coming up this Sunday. Is that in Atlanta? Nope. That's okay, the on the road. Hey, Asheville. The Vikings are here, aren't they? On the 5th. Boy, I might try to get my old work buddy, Bobby Sillo. He's from Minnesota. He loves the Vikings. I might try to get him down to the Bird Gang tailgate and uh, see if we can get him a ticket in the door. But here's 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 all I want to tell you about the Falcons. Time. Just need more time. How much time, I don't know. But 
and I know we have to say this every week, it's not time to ring the bell on Ritter. It's not time to ring the bell on Arthur. Uh, I I think, and again, I said this a couple weeks ago, Ritter's numbers are on par with Matt Ryan and Michael Vick so far as many games in when you you, you get out the measuring stick. Uh, The question is, is he learning from his mistakes? I think so. Um, so look at the mistakes that happened in in this game, and they're so costly because of where they are and and how they happened. But the 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 snap, the fumbled snap, I you can't put a hundred percent of the blame on him for that one. The Anton Winfield Jr. cleanest poke of the ball I've seen since Peanut Tillman. He just he got all ball. And it just flew directly out of his hands on what was going to be a touchdown, right? So that happens, and I, I just, man, I can't really. That's just an amazing football play. Do you think he's yeah. ever going to carry the ball like that again into the end zone? No. Probably not. Probably not. And in these mistakes, it's like three, three interceptions and three fumbles, and then we could have won that game. Handily, that's that's at least fourteen points that we don't get right. Fourteen, mm-hmm. fourteen easy points there, and then that game's out of hand. So, I, I and I'm watching a defense playing out of their minds. Nobody's talking about this defense, and that is, that is shocking to me. That it's just shocking, but it doesn't surprise me because that's what happened. So I'm just sitting back and I'm watching this defense keep us in literally every game. We have an opportunity to win. Because of this defense. And I'm watching an offense that is going through some some growing pains. I'm also watching Kyle Pitts seemingly come into his own. Like he he's seeming he seems more comfortable. It seems less like he's dragging his leg behind him and he's moving out there. And some I don't know when they started practicing this N one mixtape shit, but he and Bijan Robinson are catching the ball one handed and putting it behind their back. Like yeah. some Harlem Globetrotters, and I dig that shit. It's fun to watch. And, you know, if you take these little mistakes that everybody jumped all over and just focus completely on that, if you if you look away from that, you, you got to see that Van Jefferson's getting, um, you know, adjusting to the new playbook and, and to this offense. And, and once that that's going to be yet another asset we have on the offensive side of the ball. Ritter, Ritter's not scared. He's not scared. I know that much. And, and and he's learning. It seems that he's learning every week. You know those those interceptions went away. I, and there's some some stat about uh, interceptable balls, or or I, I don't know what the exact stat was, but he leads the league in passes thrown that have like a high likelihood <laughs> of being picked. Wait a minute. Wait 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 wait. Yeah. You're telling me there's a stat of it might be picked off. Like like. Throwing into situations with a high likelihood. It's basically the bad decision step. But, you made a bad decision. But here's the thing. How many times have you heard an announcer or a coach say, I like him because he can throw into traffic. He can throw into tight spaces. Sure, but but like also how many times do you, do you hear people refer back to the place where, well, if the receiver didn't drop that pass earlier in the game, this would be a whole different game. Yeah. Not like, oh, he threw a, he threw a bad fucking ball on that one because – they're behind two scores because they keep dropping balls earlier in the game. I admit, listen, 
you can find something to shit on literally everybody in the league about. You can you can pick on anybody if you want to, and there are just a lot of people who want to pick on Desmond Ritter. There are a lot of people who don't believe that Desmond Ritter is the guy. If that's your prerogative, then great, just fucking keep doing that. But like, it, we still got to give him some time, man. Yeah. Well, well, I, I even said I didn't think he was going to pan out to be the guy, but I, it's still not time for me to make that decision because he hasn't had a full season. But if they're going to throw around a stat of likely picks, then they need to go ahead and have a, a fucking interception referee on the sidelines with a TV. And he needs to – it's kind of like an error in baseball. Was that a hit or was that an error? Because there are times where a, a quarterback gets credited with an interception and you go, fuck, that guy just made an amazing football play. Well, sure. and But, like, you know, those are, those are interceptions, though. But what happens when, when the ball – goes right off your guy's chest or right right through his hands and off his helmet straight up into the air or you know like plays like that like those do you count that against them well okay let's get into that i don't think even even if you make an amazing play on the football i don't think it should count it as an interception an interception should be and because here's why if it's a catchable ball and an amazing athlete just like that Auburn game, it went to both guys, and he just kind of went in underneath and caught it. It was anybody's ball. He made a great play. That's not on the quarterback. If a guy makes an amazing play, it's an amazing circus like, holy shit, he broke and just came in. That's an interception, I think, should be fucking bonehead. You threw it right at him. Yeah, see, that is You know, not, that's an interception. That's a gray area I don't think I could – I can – I, my brain can't process that one, but literally, like if there's like if it's like tip balls, like that, it's and I'm not talking about like the defense tips it and then somebody else picks it off because guess what, that's your fault. But if it if it goes off your own guy, if your guy can't catch it, bring the ball in, and somehow that ball is intercepted, like I don't know how you charge a fucking interception to a wide receiver exactly. or a running back or a tight end or whoever was out there trying to catch it, uh, or if you're you're fucking six foot seven left tackle jumps up for whatever reason and the ball goes off his helmet and they pick it off like i i get that that's why all the interceptions are just charged to the quarterback because you can't really differ oh it would would waste so much time but i I think this way is is like was it the quarterback's fault like the flow chart was it the quarterback's fault no not a pick it would be it would be a really interesting stat to see that pop up on the bottom like 32 career picks, 24, not his fault. Yeah, like t- something, you know, like just something because people go, he throws a lot of interceptions. Well, have you seen them all? Well, 36% are not his fault. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like catcher's indifference sometimes. Like when you get, ca- sometimes you can swipe a base and they'll go, you don't get a stolen base. Catcher, it was catcher's indifference. So that's a real thing. 100% it is. You uh, bet your ass it is. Just fine. So the catcher can be like, they could have done that to Ronnie. They could have just let well, him keep catcher's it. indifference. And now, now I haven't. It hasn't been brought up a lot lately. So maybe that's an, an older rule. That, but yes, you can definitely swipe a base, and they can go. That was catcher's indifference, <laughs> and you don't get the credit for the base. Yeah, I could just see an old cartoon with the guy going for second, and the catcher just putting his hand up. Yeah, I don't. I can't be bothered with this right now. Exactly. So just, that's a just thing. have it. So it's really like, hey man, the ball. I put the ball exactly where it was supposed to be. And the guy just made an amazing play on it. That's like, you know, when he throws it and somebody gets a little, little, just a little tip of the finger and it comes down. Oh, he, he's picked off. 
Well, yeah, of course, but that wasn't, he didn't, he, what are you going to do? Right. Well, but that's what I mean. Like, there's, okay, so his two picks against Jacksonville, those are bad interceptions, yeah. right? Those could be two picks apiece in my book. Exactly. I mean, it's just like, it's just all those, I just, here's the thing. It, that's never going to be a thing. It's just something to be mindful of, like a, a pitcher's ERA. You know, like earn run don't always mean. But what that's it the means. thing. Like there's, the, you know, just as well as everybody else out there, you can look at a stat sheet, but you can see a guy that has 12 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. But if you didn't watch him play those games and do that stuff, you think he's pretty mediocre. You have no idea mm-hmm. what actually went into that play. You don't. You don't know. If his offensive line sucked, and on nine of those picks, he was getting drilled center mass by a 6'5", 285-pound dude while he was throwing the ball, and those are the ones that got picked off. You know, exactly. you don't, if you don't pay attention, if you don't know, what that, that's why there's so many arguments. That's why I get so frustrated, because you just look and you saw, you see a 15-fucking-second clip of... Desmond Ritter, and it says Desmond Ritter's stat line, and it has three interceptions, and you're like, oh, he fucking sucks. Yeah, that guy's terrible. And I'm like, man, he had a really bad game. He had a really bad game, but you're telling me he has no shot at being a good professional football player because why? Like, there's just some people just just have the most outlandish takes and, and finite opinions. Well, I'll give you one last thing because we got to get out of here. But I'll give you one last thing. Matt Olson on the season, well, actually two eighty three, so not terrible. But you know, look at like a if you, a, a a guy that hits like two fifty five, and you just showed him the average. Yeah, can't hit that well. Yeah, but he hit fifty four home runs. So just it, I'll, I'll I'll wrap it up with this: if you, if you are basing a player's uh, talent and how good he is on stats alone. You're dumb. And there are a lot of you out there. Yeah, the numbers don't lie thing is real, right? Numbers yeah, don't of course. lie. But at the same time, like you have to have a you have to have a full picture of what's going on. Exactly. If you're if you're not watching all that often because you're busy or whatever you're doing and you're looking at stat lines and going, Well, that guy sucks, you're probably gonna be wrong. Well, right. So you they know? should they should have they should fix it. It should be numbers don't lie, comma but they don't tell the whole story. Exactly. So I'm just saying, you know, be mindful of numbers, be mindful of stats, and uh, be mindful this weekend. We got big games. We got to play the Titans. And I will say, uh, at 4-3, and three, we get eighth game, so there's a 17-game season. I think we surpassed the win total from last year. We're at the halfway point, and we're probably going to be 5-3. and three. There's no reason we shouldn't beat the Titans. We got an edge. We should have a little bit of an edge with Arthur Smith in the house. You know, he he knows that program. He knows how they play. So we should do good there. I I I got us, and then we'll be five and three. So we're going to surpass that win total from last year. You can almost guarantee it. And I'm going to backpedal a little bit. Just I got to say this one thing. Everybody talks about how terrible Kirk Cousins is. No, he isn't. You talk to any NFL player, and they talk about what an amazing quarterback he is. Because you know what he's what's happening to him? He's getting the Andrew Luck treatment up there in Minnesota. The guy is getting wrecked. Now they just pulled out a win this weekend, and his offensive line played the best game they've played in a while. They beat the Niners. So I'm just saying, Kirk Cousins doesn't suck. He's just getting plowed on the on the regs by defensive linemen and everybody. So anyway, fast forward, pay attention. We've got the Titans on Sunday in Tennessee, in Nashville. 
support your birds. We've got Georgia, Florida on Sunday, 3.30. Fire up the barbecue, get the beer ready, or or the sweet tea or the Diet Dr. Pepper if you're not a drinker. But tune in, watch Georgia continue their march and their quest for three in a row. Uh, you know, the Hawks, uh, they're playing Charlotte tonight. They come home. The home opener is the Sixers, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Knicks on front. Knicks, the Knicks. Knicks in the house, the New York Knicks. We love uh, we love taunting those guys. Uh, we've definitely dished it out to the Knicks and, and gave them some bad beats uh, with old Ice Trey. So, uh, you know, get out and uh, let's kick the season off with a bang. I can't go down there. I'd love to, but I'm going to tune in and watch. And, uh, you know, we got another season of Hawks basketball. Quinn Snyder in the house. It's his team now. His game plan, starting fresh, first full season in Atlanta. It looks like he's got some things cooking. He wanted to be here. So I'm just telling you guys, get out there, support your teams. Be a smart fan. Be a good fan. Be a well-informed fan. Be a rational fan. Be an objective fan. You see what I'm getting at here. Do your homework. Love the team. Man, wear your heart on your sleeve. Be emotional. All those things. But also, put your thinking cap on a little bit before you open your mouth and start spouting off all kind of crazy shit. And until then, we're going to go off air and say some crazy shit down at the uh, Gusson's Grill and Tap and watch the Hawks opener and watch a couple of good friends play some live music. But until next time, Atlanta, you know what I'm going to say. We love you. We need you. And you stay safe out there. Until next time, Atlanta, good night. Do you believe? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.